0: We really ought to know the power that we have in every place, and never decide that any one place is excluded from us being there to get the kind of change we want. Right? Mm-hmm. So I made the decision to go up the rough side of the mountain to go inside the system. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and and but there, but you know, I also understand you know the brilliance of being outside of the system when you have the the brilliance of Black Lives Matter and that movement and what it has done to force change. Okay, so that was the Vice President of the United States, the current Vice President, uh, talking about Black Lives Matter, the brilliance of Black Lives Matter being outside of the system which we want to change. That should have been a big alarm bell right there. We played it, we talked about it at the time, but I don't think we had any idea And during the election of 2020 how serious, like serious as death, uh, this group of people who have invaded our White House and the halls of Congress uh, and outside of the halls what they had in mind for us. We should have known when Barack Obama said that we are about to fundamentally transform the United States of America. And indeed, they were, and indeed, they have been. Our next guest has written this really comprehensive, serious, uh, I wouldn't say academic. Uh, It is academic in his approach because of the research, but it's not a book just for academics. It's a book on what happened and where we are. It's called Black Lives Matter, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, and in that, Mike Gonzalez, our guest, says um, that he calls he says 2020 was like the year of living dangerously. That's borrowing a term from a, a famous movie of, of yesteryear. The year of living dangerously was 2020, and it was a year of turmoil and riots. There were 6, there were six hundred and thirty three riots, by the way, at least according to the U.S. Crisis Monitor run out of Princeton. And ninety five percent of those riots, in which we know the identity of the perpetrator. Black Lives Matter members were included. So uh, Mike Gonzalez, and I'll, I'll put words in his mouth before you actually hear him speak, he says this book that he's just written exists to fill the void in public awareness. If journalists will not report on the nature of the real nature of Black Lives Matter organizations and their leaders, this book will attempt to correct the record and analyze all the aspects of what transpired in 2020, as well as the historical forces That led up to those events, and that leads me to introducing our guest today, Mike Gonzalez, who is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much.
2: Sandy, thanks a lot for having me on. It's been too long. And yes, absolutely. I think your intro is is spot on. Uh, The reason I wrote uh, BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, is because the journalists, the media, just are not telling us, so you are. You're telling the story, and, and, and other people uh, who are thoughtful at telling the story, but the mainstream media never reported the fact that what we had, what really happened, is that we had organizations created, founded by Marxists. And Marxism, Marxist is just a synonym for communist, right? So organizations founded and led by communists who pounced on this tragedy, the death of George Floyd. Uh, to 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 really finish Barack Obama's job, actually, they're doing a very good job of transforming us. We live in a BLM world today. That's the reason I wrote BLM: The Making of a New Marxist Revolution because we live in their world. They changed everything. They they, they all the all the conflicts that you see over critical race theory. Well, and I've been traveling the country, Sandy. I don't know if you know this, but in the last two months, I've been to 15 cities. And I mean everywhere: Austin, Dallas, Denver, uh, Chicago, Loudon County, uh, you know Indianapolis, Baton Rouge, and I'm I'm going to be in Missouri after tomorrow. I was in 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 Richmond uh, last week. I'm I'm going to continue to travel, and everywhere parents are hopping mad. I just talked to a a, a, one of us just talked to a a a senator from a western state. He says when he goes back home, all he hears is CRT. That is a legacy of Black Lives Matter. Critical race theory has entered all aspects of our lives from our, from our workplaces to our children's schools to our houses of worship to the military. That is a legacy of Black Lives Matter, what happened last year. The mm-hmm. spike in homicides is the a huge, the, 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 the crime wave that we're seeing in our main cities. That is a legacy of Black Lives Matter because police have pulled back. But more importantly, this mass hysteria that we're seeing, America is living in a trance-like status, It's almost like Salem. That's because of Black Lives Matter, the fact that they were able to to basically uh, lie about what they were doing and what they aimed to do. And the only reason they were able to get away with it is that journalists, the the mainstream media, abdicated the responsibility of keeping the American public informed.
1: You know, uh, Mike, let me just stop for a second and give you a better introduction because you've, we already read it. When I, you know, read your words a few minutes ago, I talked about how, you talked about how journalists are not reporting the real nature of what's happening, and that's what you're going to do. And let me just give your background so people can understand why you're qualified to do that. Um, Mike um, is, again, a senior fellow with the Heritage Foundation. He writes on critical race theory, identity politics, diversity multiculturalism, assimilation, nationalism, as well as foreign policy. He spent 20 years as a journalist, 14 of the 11 of those he spent with the Wall Street Journal. He has written for National Affairs, Foreign Policy, City Journal, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Time, Forbes. I just wanted to give you the scope of his influence. So he's a very serious journalist. Uh, he worked uh, for a French agency, and I can't pronounce the French here. It's Agence, Agence France. Agence Press. Thank you. The wire Service. Okay, wire service, uh, reporting around the globe for uh, a new th- that news agency for six years, including covering the war in Afghanistan, which would take us in a whole different direction, wouldn't it, Michael? If we were talking about that, you traveled with right. the Mujahideen in the late nineteen nineties, and uh, so and there's just so many things. He was arrested in Panama, uh, expelled by the uh, dictator Manuel Antonio Noriega. So he has a lot of experience writing, and you'll see that with this book because the uh, attachments and the credit are uh, the. References that he gives are extensive. And so with that being said, Mike, let's kind of uh, lay the groundwork. You, I just want to make this point before we start talking. It occurs to me as I look through your book um, that you're, you're really talking about a broader topic than just Black Lives Matter. They are kind of the catalyst, but there are all kinds of efforts that don't come under their name that are creating this new Marxist revolution, would you know? I mean, it isn't just about that organization, correct?
2: Well, I mean, I write about the historical uh, lead-up to BLM. Uh, the title of the book is BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, and I, I write about how we get here, right? Yeah. But I tried—first, I, well, this, 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 I think we need to explain what we need, by, what we mean by Black Lives Matter, right? First, there's the concept, and I want to say, I'm going to make it very clear— that I have, I embrace the concept of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter to me, I don't even say all lives matter. Obviously, all lives matter, but I think black Americans have gone through periods of history, centuries of suffering that no, no one else has gone through. So I, I very proudly proclaim that Black Lives Matter to me. Um, then there's the movement. And I don't know what a movement is in this case. I think that if you mean the people who put science on their lawns or who who, who become the cannon fodder and go to the demonstrations, I think they fall mainly on the two categories, right? Uh, the best one of them are the ones who are being naive or they're just young. They, they don't really understand what's behind all this. Uh, and they want social justice and equate Black Lives Matter with, with uh, freedom and social justice. And then there's the, the more cynical virtue signalers, the people who've gone to all the right schools. Well, I went to Dartmouth, and I have a very uh, good job as a banker, but I want to demonstrate to my neighbors that I'm right on and that, I'm, that I, I adhere to all the, the, the left-wing uh, social uh, justice uh, uh, policies. So I'm going to pitch this sign that says BLM on my lawn. Uh, then Then – Third and fourth are the organizations and the founders, and that's really what I shed a spot, on, a spot on. Because this is a lot. Sometimes people say in interviews, "Well, these people just want to get rich," and I think it's a lot more dangerous than that. Oh, I do too. The organizations of Black Lives Matter, and on that I mean, let me just finish with this: Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation (BLMGNF) and the movement for Black Lives, uh, you know, um, uh, M- M- M4BL. These are real networks. These are real organizations founded by Marxists, Marxists who had a have a goal. In the words of Alicia Garza, one of the main founders of BLMGNF, uh, she said uh, to a group of main Marxists in 2019, "Well, we need to 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 uh, the, the, the dismantle the organizing principle of society. I'm talking about changing how we've organized society." So her goal is immense. She is a trained Marxist. She 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 interned for a, a socialist front group called the the School um, uh, of uh, of Unity and Liberation, which is a socialist group. Alicia, uh, Patrice Collers, a second founder, was uh, was recruited, and that's the word he used by Eric Mann, a communist who was uh, spent time in prison because he was a member of the Weather Underground, a terrorist organization, and he boasts that he recruited Patrice uh, Colores Patrice and trained her as a Marxist. So these are people with a goal in mind, and the goal is to get rid of capitalism, which they hate, and they say they hate, and not me saying that, and implement a Marxist blueprint. That should scare us.
1: Yes, and I, I think uh, probably the link here t- to me, or th- something I think makes it maybe clearer, it's because I've said this on, on the air a lot, Mike, is that Marxists always find that thing in each country or society they're trying to infiltrate and over, uh, you know, overcome and transform, shall we say. They find that thing uh, which they can use to turn people against each other. I think in Russia, it was the peasants against the, against the aristocrats. And uh, they, they knew that race was, they've been saying this, they have not really hidden it. Race is the, the soft spot. Of America, that's the nerve. That's where you get on people's nerves, and you can turn uh, each other against each other. And so perfect that they should use an entity called Black Lives Matter as their as their tool or their vehicle to start the propaganda infiltration, brainwashing, whatever you want to say, using race to implement everything they want to do, which has nothing to do with race.
2: Right. Right. Exactly right. Race is a cover. In fact, uh, this this is the the, the 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 discipline of Black Lives Matter is critical race theory, and and critical race theory comes out of critical theory. Critical theory was you know a, a, a discipline uh, founded by by Marxists in Germany that brought over to the United States, and the the main one with regard to the United States is Herbert Marcuse, and Herbert Marcuse did exactly what you just said. You know, he, he, he realized that the American worker was not rising up. The American worker was actually quite happy, was never going to rise up and, 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 and create a revolution. So he sat there and, and, and observed the riots in the 60s, and he started writing, saying, ah, it's going to be the ghetto population. His words, again, I'm quoting Herbert Marcuse, a communist, the ghetto population is going to be the, the the agents of revolt and it's going to be people of, of uh, people of other colors and races again his words that are going to be the lead agents of revolt and and he teaches he becomes the main intellectual influence over over Angela Davis, who is a a self avowed communist who runs on the communist party ticket in the in the eighties as vP who who's given uh, the Lenin Peace Prize by East Germany, one of the cruelest of the satellite states. And guess who is the main intellectual influence on the leaders of Black Lives Matter? Angela Davis. Angela Davis writes a foreword for Patrice Colors' book. Angela Davis is praised constantly by, by them, by the three leaders, as being the person they look up to intellectually. They read all her books. So so it goes from Herbert Marcuse, who, who discovers and sees, well, it's going to be the ghetto population that's going to finally, because the American worker is not doing it, and then teaches Angela Davis, and Angela Davis is the intellectual mentor of, of, of the founders of Black Lives Matter. Well, These you know, things are never taught, never, hmm. never reported on by no. the media. The media no. just, just presents a completely no. different picture.
1: Mike, we have to take a break, but it does occur to me, too, that when this happened in the 60s, uh, there was a white and black manifestation of Marxism, and that was the weather underground for the white elite young young people. They used that. Right. Oh, that's a whole story to tell. And then the, the other was the Black Panthers, and so they tried this once before. And, and you don't write about that. You have a whole chapter about what happened in the 60s. Maybe we could talk about that. There's so much to talk about, but the book is called uh, BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution. It is a great book, and our guest is Mike Gonzalez. We'll be back right in just a second to continue our discussion. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. How do you respond to to, to those kinds of again loving criticism? Um, I think that the criticism is helpful um, I also think that it
2: might um, I think of a lot of things the first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers um, we uh, are trained Marxists um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories.
1: Yes, they are. (laughs) Mike Gonzalez just told us about Alicia um, Garcia. No, that's not right. What's her last name? Garza. Garza. Yeah, about her statements about being a Marxist. And there's her fellow founder, Patrice Cullors. And we've talked about this to just to remind all of you listening uh, that Black Lives Matter, in their manifesto, talked about just odd things. It was like destroying capitalism. It was about destroying the natural family. It was about rights for lesbian or transgender female. It was just so bizarre. And uh, Mike, I know this is a sidetrack, but I just want to make this point. It really, I find it really interesting that the Biden administration, uh, the Health and Human Services Division under Biden recently wrote this whole thing about, they're now doubling down on the importance of defending and uh, uh, caring for transgender, especially black women. That made me think, well, maybe Black Lives Matter has a big foot in this administration. Can you just say a word about that?
2: Yeah, sure. The very first thing that Biden does when he comes into office is he signs that executive order, uh, which does several things. First of all, it mentions the word equity like 20 times. It doesn't mention the word equality at all. So, by the way, for those of you who are listening who, who don't know this yet, because many people don't, is in, in, on their lips when, when the administration, when critical race theory, when Black Lives Matter used the word equity, it means the opposite of equality, right? They corrupted the meaning of the word equity. It means now the opposite. It means the government treating people unequally according to their race. So... Well, I, I, some, some of the other things that it, that executive order does is that it abolishes the commission that, that Trump created, the 1776 Commission, which I was a member of. Uh, we, we produced a report. We met with President Trump. It, it abolishes the 1776 Commission. It also abolished the, the ban on, on uh, using critical race theory in the uh, federal workfo- uh, workforce or in the federal, with federal contractors. These two things have been demands, black lives matter black lives matter issued the administration a list of demands in december the administration complied in its very first act no no sooner does does, does president biden get to the office somebody hand him a pen and he signs his piece of paper which does all these things that black Lives matter had had demanded and i, I go back in my book to uh, an event That Angela Davis, as I explained earlier, the the, the big, the matron of American communism meeting with Alicia Garza on the set of Democracy Now!, which is another Marxist show, uh, a week after Hillary uh, Clinton lost, actually a week after uh, Trump uh, was, uh, uh, you know, uh, assumed the presidency in January 2017. And she said the reason Hillary Clinton lost is because she did not, she was not attuned to our demands. This is Angela Davis speaking. She was not attuned to us. She was not going to. She was not doing the things we told her to do. I think President Biden has has, has a, a man, by the way, a career politician who who didn't show a smidgen of interest in any of this. If anything, he would actually he 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 made gaps that were quite racist during his career. Uh, he was just a retail politician from Delaware. Um, he all of a sudden. He is the wokest person alive. Yes. Uh, why is that? Because he understands he needs to do what Black Lives Matter and the woke wing of his party tell him to do. Uh, so so I think that this is why we see, and, and, and it's not just that, right? I mean, he signed into law a bill by, 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 by Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia which said that farmers could get um, uh, loan forgiveness all sorts of farmers except white farmers. It doesn't matter how poor a white farmer was. He could not get loan forgiveness. It was only for non-white farmers. Obviously, there's a little matter of the Constitution that stands in the way of that. And and a judge in Florida said, no, 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 no. you cannot do this as a constitutional, and he threw it out, with good reason. But this kind of color-conscious policies is exactly what critical race theory and Black Lives Matter demands. But what it is is redistribution, uh, socialism, but but based on race. But really, race is a veneer, right? Because when they say we want to see more black faces uh, in, in the workforce or in law schools, if 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 it is a a black man or a black woman who is not in agreement with them, who's not a Marxist, who's a conservative, they get very angry about that. So it really is about political contents about ideological content it's not about pigmentation at all uh uh, uh Derek Bell the god the godfather of critical race theory who held all these big demonstrations and sit-ins to have um, African Americans appointed uh to Harvard Law School and other law schools when 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 Clarence Thomas was appointed by George H W Bush to the Supreme Court he wrote this nasty Essay, essay, long essay that called Clarence Thomas all sorts of names. You know, Sandy, I've met Clarence Thomas. I'm pretty sure he's black. He's African American. What he's not is he's not a Marxist. He he loves our country. He is a great American. But that's exactly what doesn't sit well with Derek Bell. So what? It's not really about race. It's not really about race at all. It's about whether you believe in central planning, collectivism, and you hate capitalism.
1: You know, sir, the, the current example, of course, would be Larry Elder, who is, uh, what do they right. call him, the black face of uh, racism? <laughs> you know, it's because he's the, and throwing, you know, having a woman uh, ride up to him on a bicycle with a gorilla mask on and throw eggs at him. But that's not racism. That's You know, uh, I was
2: listening yeah. to, to NPR this morning driving in for, for my sins. They talked <laughs> about the, the mayoral race in Boston, about how the next mayor is not going to be a white man. And then they talked about Larry Elder. Not once. Not once did they mention his race. Not once did they say he would be, if he got elected, the first black governor of California. It's like Larry Elder doesn't have a race. And in fact, he doesn't because to them, race is just a cover for what they want. They want the their right ideology in place.
1: Yes, and I want to repeat, I think you actually highlighted these things in the opening, but you talked about the breadth of influence that Black Lives Matter has had. And you talked about, of course, uh, Critical race theory uh, manifesting itself in classrooms, in the military, houses of worship, in corporate America, in sports. I mean, they have in relationships. It has poisoned the well in just about every area of our lives. You talked about crime, and I guess you know, Mike. One of the things that astounds me when I talk about Marxism and Marxists and communism is the psychological methods they use that are so effective. You know, it's not just uh, like union, old union thugs who are meeting up people because they wanted to organize to in order to be protected for money. It's not. It's 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 a subtle, very well thought out, brilliant plan to manipulate people's minds and turn them against each other, and and that's how they transform. Can you just say a word about that?
0: Yeah. No.
2: Absolutely. And look, they use coercion once they get into it. Once they get into power. But they will not use. They will. They, they actually. What they do is almost like they It's. It's like the movies about aliens that come in and and mimic our behavior and look like normal human beings in order to pass for human beings. And then they do. Once they get power, at first they they don't give it up again. Uh, and but then they start using coercion, create gulags, uh, mm-hmm. put people in prison or or, or kill them. Um, Marcusa, who I uh, uh, who I had. As I mentioned earlier, he actually wrote about this in nineteen sixty nine. He says we would have to conclude that liberation would meet, would mean subversion against the will and against the prevailing interests of the great majority of the people. They want they, they're very open about this. They want to subvert. Uh and and, and and to do that what so what they do is they use Black Lives Matter. Again, as I said earlier, a wonderful concept. You know, if black, lives don't, if, if black lives don't matter to you, I don't even want to talk to anybody who does, to whom black lives don't matter, right? I, it's, it's kind of like, ew. Um, uh, so they the use this. And then they also say that they, they, they pretend that they want liberation. By the way, they never use liberty or freedom. They always use liberation. But, but students don't hear that. Students just say, well, because what, what makes Americans uh, exceptional, right? We have an exceptional attachment to liberty. That applies to us, and that applies also to students, right? And the young and the naive. And when they see Black Lives Matter, when they they hear what they're saying, is yeah, no, they want freedom, they want uh, justice, they want everybody to be treated equally, and they say, well, okay, we're well, gonna give my money, we're gonna give my support. Except no, that's not what they want, because if you really look at what, what Marxism does, is that they they want first of all, they want to get rid of capitalism, which is just a, a, a free market society. I have a phone in my hand, and if you want to buy it, you, both you and I agree on a price, we both walk away happy. They hate that. They, they want to get rid of our ability to do that. And they want to get rid of our ability to speak our minds. They want to get rid of our ability uh, to, 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 to congregate. They want to get rid of all our natural rights. I think this is the job that we need to do. is the reason I wrote BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, is to point this out, because no one else was pointing it out, is to say, as you said, communists, Marxists, will use all sorts of ruses to gain power. But once they have the power, once they have a monopoly on force, because the first thing they do is they they take away all the guns, and then they, they have a monopoly on violence, And then they can do anything they want. And that has always been the history of communism. It's failed everywhere for exactly the reason I just explained.
1: Yeah, I think. (laughs) So you wonder, you wonder how in the world could it gain so much strength so quickly in this country? But we know the answer to that about schools and Teaching and all of that. Let's talk about a couple of other things. By the way, uh, Mike's book is just terrific. He's got so many sources, and I want you to know what we, we're not going to be able to get to all of this. He's gonna, he talks about the founding uh, uh, versus slavery, the Soviets' failed infiltration, about the 1960s and how this happened, and he does an expose of Black Lives Matter. Uh, he talks about following the money. He talks about how Antifa became the safe space. Uh, then schooling the revolution, and just a million things that are wonderful things to learn. I think, Mike, there's so much about it, I find, through my years of covering this, because I I actually, I'm from Chicago, and uh, the Weather Underground is, uh, I know a lot about them for a lot of reasons. And I, so so a lot of these themes were present in the 60s. You remember I, uh, when Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn were, captured and came out after being in captivity for such a long time. And Bernadine went on to be a professor at Northwestern University, and Bill Ayers, you know, a a scholar, writing educational materials for our college students. And so the link between them and Black Lives Matter is stunning to me, that Eric Mann, who was part of their organization, should have a direct link to Black Lives Matter is amazing. Can you say just a word about uh, uh, maybe uh, just how the 60s kind of set us, prepared us for this?
2: Yeah, and I was just at, uh, at the University of Michigan a couple of weeks ago at Ann Arbor, and a lot of that took place there. The, 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 the Huron Statement was not too far from the University of Michigan. Chicago is a cauldron of all that, so where Bill Ayers um, uh, lives and operates. Uh, and as you said, it what better symbol there is reason that, when Bill Ayers... Uh, finally comes out of hiding, and all of a sudden he realizes, because, because they were really bad terrorists. You know, they, they, kept, they kept killing each other, too. You know, they were really bad at making bombs. They were these rich kids. Bill Ayers, his father was, was super wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he comes out and says, well, we failed as terrorists. What do we do now? So he goes to teacher's college at Columbia, by the way, Teachers College was the critical theorists, the original critical theorists. That was their perch in the 1930s after they escaped Germany. So Bill Ayers goes and gets a PhD in education. That is everything you want to know. They want to take over education, and they've done a a very good job of it. They've done a very good job of taking over schools of ed. Schools of ed have become madrassas, where the main textbook that is uh, used is is Paulo Ferrer's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. so he gets his, his degree, and now he's now an educational reformer. As Sol Stern said once, to call Bill Ayers a, an educational reformer is like calling Stalin an agricultural reformer, um, <laughs> which I think the New York Times did in the 30s. Uh, so so you're quite right, but, but it's not just... Um, uh, Eric Mann, and, and by the way, the link with Bill Ayers is his, his adopted son, is Chesa Boudin, who is oh, one yes. of the rogue prosecutors out in California, who just refuses to charge people, refuses to keep criminals in prison, elected with George Soros' money. But then you have Susan Rosenberg, also a former, terror, a former member of the Weather on the Ground, designated by the FBI as a terrorist organization. She just happened to be the vice president of the board of 1,000 Currents. The, the 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 funder the, the funder of BLMGNF the main fiscal sponsor of BLMGNF until the bad publicity got to be too much, uh, and in in late last year BLMGNF uh, moved from Thousand Currents to the Tides uh, Foundation. But the Tides Foundation is no better. The Tides Foundation is 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 Soros money, uh, and and, 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 and uh, a lot of other people's money. But all they do is they fund super lefty causes. So, yeah, no, what I say is the weather on the ground failed in the the 1960s, but they've been very, very successful in the first two decades, the first three decades of the 21st century.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, there's the music playing again. But I want to also remind people that Bill Ayers was a mentor to Barack Obama uh, in Chicago. He had his first fundraiser in their home when he was running for Senate. I remember that while I was there. So I'm just not at the fundraiser. (laughs) I was in Chicago (laughs) on the radio. (laughs) But... All right, so uh, um, there are so many things to discuss, but I actually think, uh, Mike, when we come back, I want to just, you do a chapter on Antifa, and it seems like we know less about their central, their formation, uh, less about them specifically. We certainly see them and know what they're about, but uh, we know less about where this came from. And so if you know something about that, it would be nice to hear. The book is called BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution. My guest is Mike Gonzalez, Sandy Rios, in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio. I am the direct descendant of the North American slave trade. Both my parents are black. All four of my grandparents are black. All eight of my great-grandparents. All 16 of my great greats. On my mother's side, my ancestors were enslaved in Alabama. On my father's side, we were enslaved in Texas. I am not oppressed. I'm not oppressed and I'm not a victim. I'm neither oppressed nor a victim. I travel all across this country of ours and I check into hotels and I fly commercially and I walk into retail establishments and I order food in restaurants. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. I am treated with kindness Dignity and respect literally from coast to coast. I have three children. They are not oppressed either. Although they are victims. I've taught my children they are victims of three things. Their own ignorance. Their own laziness. And their own poor decision making. That is all. My children. We are not victims of America. We are not victims of some unseen, 190-year-old force that kind of floats around in the ether. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. Racism in America would, by and large, be dead today if it were not for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And sadly, sadly, very sadly, one of those institutions is the American education system. I can think of nothing more damaging to a society than to tell a baby born today that she has grievances against another baby born today simply because of what their ancestors may have done two centuries ago. There is simply no point in doing that to our children. And putting critical race theory into our classrooms in part does that. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is not combating racism, is fanning the flames of what little embers are left. I encourage you to support this resolution. Let racism die the death it deserves, and let's keep living the life of contentment.
1: Now, that was Derek Wilburn in Colorado Springs, Colorado, a few weeks ago, and I don't even think we got around to playing that when it was uh, when it was brand new. But it re- reminds us of a couple of things. He was advocating that they do away with critical race theory teaching in his children's school. And then he was teaching, just teaching us in other ways. People are fighting back. Um, and uh, the book that we're talking about right now is Black Lives Matter, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution. Mike Gonzalez, the author. And uh, Mike reminded us that at the, at the core of Black Lives Matter was pushing this critical race theory. So that's the tie-in here. Uh, Mike, uh, I know you, you go all over the country talking about uh, critical race theory all the time. And you're seeing a lot of pushback, are you not, from parents?
2: Oh yeah, I'm I'm seeing what I think is an American Renaissance. I've seen the Amer- the American people are just rising and saying, "Well, no, this this stuff is crazy." Everything that gentleman just said, you know, uh, you know, fanning hatred, and uh, and and, use telling black children that they should not like literacy, reading, or writing, or punctuality. First of all, that's that's a falsehood. It's an ugly falsehood. It's racist. Uh, it's, it's incredible racist, incredibly, incredibly racist, the stuff that you hear from the left these days, and they get away with it because they're leftists. If a, a conservative or uh, a, 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 a white person were saying these things, um, I, I guess critical race theorists uh, like, like Robin DiAngelo is white and she says these things, but they're able to say it only because they're criti- the, the critical race theory trainers. I mean, we have to stop this. We have to stop using racism against black children and saying they will not amount to anything, like Derek Bell said, we'll never reach equality. That is, uh, that is not true. We're, we're more and more a, a, a less racist society, which is great, which is fantastic. We have made incredible progress. The Civil Rights Act made incredible progress. I mean, the bad thing that happened is that it came in with a promise of color blindness, and then it was corrupted uh, soon after, and in, 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 in w- w- people want color-conscious policies, like affirmative action and so forth. And now with Biden, you know, we color-conscious policies on steroids. Um, but it, no, we, the American people in all these cities that I have been to for the last uh, three months, and I'm going to go to even more cities in the next three months, are saying no to all of this because they don't like it.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I want to point out, a lot of black parents don't like it, so we have a lot of sound clips from them, too. Um, Nor should uh, so, they.
2: Nor should <laughs> they like it. You know, well, to say to somebody, because his, his name is Gonzalez, that he, that, 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 that he shouldn't like punctuality, or Rios, that is just bizarre. As I said, it's racist in, in, in itself. And, and it, if it's done in the classroom, it violates Title Six VI of the Civil Rights Act. If it's done in the workplace, it violates Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go back to something we touched on earlier. I made the comment, the observation, and we talked about the 60s before, but that there was a black manifestation of Marxism in the 60s and a white one. And the white one was, you know, we have to divide people in colors, Mike. Anyway, that's what they do, so that's how we have to talk about it. So Weather Underground was, I don't think there were any black members of Weather Underground. If there were, I don't know about it. And uh, But uh, the um, Black Panthers were the black manifestation of Marxism. So now we have... Uh, black Lives Matter is openly uh, black. But how about Antifa? I'm, is that, would that be the counter to Weather Underground? And w- your comments about where they fit in here and where they came from.
2: It's not a perfect parallel because the Weather Underground was Marxist, had a, had a, a Marxist goal, uh, had a, the, the, the goal of a world revolution. Uh, Antifa is really an anarchist group. They're just for violence. They, I think they like violence. These are people who like uh, you know inflicting pain on others um from what you see you don't know we don't know a lot about antifa they seem to be uh, they seem to be uh, white by and large' also black members of Antifa, but a lot of them seem to be white there's also a connection by the way that that I go into my book uh with the weather on the ground also one of the founders is a former uh weather on the ground one of the fam- the founders of Antifa is also a former weather on the ground person. Uh, uh, but I think, you know, Antifa, if you want to compare it to Black Lives Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter has bills in Congress. Black Lives Matter has a curriculum that is being taught in many of the, the schools, 14,000 school districts. Black Lives Matter has millions and millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Black Lives Matter has a, a discipline, uh, Marxism really, but it, it's critical race theory. Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter has many, many things that Antifa lacks. Antifa, as I said, just likes to 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 inflict violence, and and uh, but it, it lacks the cachet, the cultural cachet, and the the influence that that uh, that uh, that Black Lives Matter has. And I think that I'm very, um, as, as I've said many times here in this interview with you, uh, I'm very down on our media uh, for not reporting the truth, but I'm also down on the political class the political well, class uh just does not uh will not go near uh black lives matter because it's because it's such a good concept it's such a good slogan and politicians are usually scared. Well that, that, uh, can uh, I transition to FIFA, something else? Is there safe space? Uh, yeah. And people yeah. they, they can criticize.
1: Well, that they don't do much of that either, but uh, you're right. But I I want to tra- you spend you make a uh, an interesting case in your opening that we should at least touch on. I know we're going backwards here, but uh, because January 6th and the people that are in prison in the, uh, in the jail in DC has become such an issue because George Bush talked about the, uh, at his, you know, ground zero or when he was in Pennsylvania, nine eleven, talked about how uh, we have our, that people that went into the Capitol are just like the Taliban. And uh, there's a theme of that, you know that. And so, you make the point that that January 6th event in the Capitol changed everything and sort of m- muted criticism of these Marxist groups. Can you just talk about that at, uh, in, in, for a few minutes here?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm very critical of the people that, that took part in the violence on January 6th. I don't think that was, I mean, that was stomach but But that is not anywhere near what happened for months and months and months with BLM, and nobody really did anything about that. Uh, to pretend now NPR calls it the insurrection. No, I think what happened with BLM was an, an attempted insurrection, actually. They were organized. They had a goal in mind. They have a political blueprint. I think from what I saw of the people on January 6th, uh, by the way, the FBI has said now they, they, they cannot find any organization behind this. There was no plan. I don't know how after the FBI said that the media can continue to call it an insurrection.
0: Oh, really? what, what,
2: what it was was stomach churning. Uh, you know, we should not have, have violence. We should not have political violence. I think uh, there is something to be said for the fact that these, these these misguided folks looked at the way that Black Lives Matter got away with everything and did not pay any price, and they say, "Why not us?" Um, uh, you know, if, if the Black, if Black Lives Matter are going to you know torch police stations across the country and attack people, uh, why are we not going to do the same thing? Uh, so, so. You know, I, I don't. I I, I like George W. Bush. I'm very proud to have served under him. Uh, in his administration, I don't like these comparisons. I don't think they're good comparisons.
1: No, I don't either. But I. But to go deeper, just for a second, in in a short bit of time here, I just think that that January sixth event was twisted in such a way that it made. We talked about politicians. It kind of muted whatever instinct they had to fight back and expose uh, what really was an insurrection. Like you said, the Black Lives Matter, you know, they ordered the FBI to, you know, look for homegrown uh, terrorists, insurrectionists, and they found nothing. But why is there no effort for Black Lives Matter? That's uh, it's become so political, uh, Mike, that people are just blinded. Um, exactly. Just say a word about that.
2: No, exactly. I mean, that's that's really—it it, it, it made it— Harder the left has this myth in mind that they they, they, they fear they, 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 the, the great danger comes from the right, the great danger of the civilization in yes. violence, despite what we saw month after month after month with b l m and antifa they still pretended that I hear my liberal friends would tell me that all the time what January 6th did is it 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 gave them something to believe in and in in you know there was a hearing in Congress I testified. Uh, in one of the uh, House subcommittees, and uh, they, they, they were very upset that I talked about Black Lives Matter. They were very upset that I said that all violence should be condemned. Ayala uh, Presley, a member of the squad, said I was spitting on, 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 on uh, Reverend King's uh, a grave. Uh, I don't think so. I think Reverend King, or Luther King, spoke about judging people by the content of their heart, not the color of their skin, and that is what I want to do, and that's not what they want to do.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, and and they are turning this thing on its head, though. They're making enemies of the people that actually love the country, however messy January 6th was. The thousands of people that came to support President Trump were not there to perform an insurrection, but they are being demonized. It's just that's, This is what the communists have always been so good at, Mike. You think about back, back when they burned down the Reichstag in the 30s and blamed it on the communists, oddly. Oh, maybe that's where they learned it, from the Nazis. I just thought of that. Uh, but they twist things so that you don't know what's actually true and what isn't. They're brilliant at that. So I guess the question is, in closing with you, <laughs> the simple question, such a simple question with not a simple answer, is what? how do we respond and what can we do?
2: Well, I think that the responses that we're seeing are the right ones. I think that, you know, as Milton Friedman said, you change the climate of opinion so even bad politicians will do the, the right thing. Um, uh, you know, when the climate of opinion is bad, the, the good politicians will do the wrong thing, too. So I, I try to do that with my book, BLM: The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, to to try to shed a light on this. I'm uh, I meet with, with 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 everybody. I meet with regular Americans. I meet with people. I, I do that a lot, and I love it. And I've also go, you know meet with members of Congress, make sure they have the book, make sure they read it, or at least I, you know I can't force them to read it, but I can give it to them um, uh, to 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 make sure people understand that what we're what we're facing here because we're on the brink right now. Uh, you know, We, as I said, we live in a BLM world. They have changed everything, uh, and are in the process of changing everything. And we have to understand organizations created by Marxists who have a blueprint in mind, who want to dismantle the organizing principle of society, who believe that that Marxist Leninism is something used to overthrow oppression. Uh, this is I'm quoting Alicia Garza in everything I'm saying, who who have been who are proud of the fact that they trained Marxists, quoting Patrice Couleurs, trained by former terrorists, not well, terrorists was always always terrorist, um but former members of the Weather on the Ground, and be the former because the Weather on the Ground is solved. Um, so so I am trying to say you have to consider this other angle and not just believe what the New York Times or Washington right. and Washington Post and the networks exactly. and MSNBC tell you.
1: Well said, well said, Mike. And uh, so the book does that. Uh, it just needs some wings and more people reading it. Uh, and so it's called BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution. Mike, thanks for all your hard work on this book and your wisdom. This is Sandy Rios in the morning
2: on AFR Talk. Thank you.